voices to you today, God. We ask you, Lord, that you will meet us where we are, each and every one of us, Lord, in our living rooms, in our kitchens, in our cars. God, that you would just touch us in a way that we know that something fundamentally has happened. God, I pray for grace. I pray for understanding. I pray for the spirit of wisdom to come upon us. Holy Spirit, breathe upon us today. We need you today, Lord. We need you. God, we depend upon you today. Have your way in us. Have your way in us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for a mighty move in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last week, we had our wonderful service of Easter that we, Pastor Glenn shared on the Word of Hope. The week before that, I talked about the unshakable faith and showed you there's different types of faith. This week, I want to stick on that unshakable faith title. And I'm hearing and just, you know, listening and, you know, seeing about what people are sharing with me. And one of the bigger things is that we know that the world has changed forever. We'll never go back to what we knew about a month ago. And that in itself brings a lot of uncertainty. And I really know that I've been I've been asking God to give me an unshakable and an unmovable ability to believe despite what we are going through. This is what this series is going to be like for the next two weeks, is that we're going to look at the question of faith. We're going to look at what kind of faith we have. We, I will challenge you today, not from a place of judgment, but from a place of truth. Because I truly believe that if you don't have faith that is based on truth of the Word of God, then it will not deliver. That means it will not carry you through. You won't be able to hear His voice or discern what he's speaking to you in this time. And God loved us so much that he made a way for us to hear his voice through faith, through the sacrifice of his son. And so we know that the bottom line, as I've been hearing it, the bottom line is, is how do we know that we have the right kind of faith? How do we know? Many have come and have doubted what they've put all of their confidence in. That's a confident expectation. You're firmly persuaded, and you have an assurance. A lot of us are questioning what they have put their faith in. They're seeking a whole lot of things, and they come up saying the same thing, that they're not, they're not sure that it's enough. And that can bring a lot of, actually, uh, an unsettledness that could come in. And that's why I want to talk about the question of faith. Having an unshakable faith, as you see here on, uh, on, the, on the screen, is an active trust in God, a belief in what he says is true that results in action. Let me say that again. Having an unshakable faith is based on an active trust in God, a belief in what he says that is true that results in action. 
We become unmovable when we have the right faith in the right person. There, the, the Bible says this about faith. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So what is saving faith? True saving faith involves the intellect, our emotions, and our will. I love this quote with Spurgeon that says this, Faith is not a blind thing, for faith begins with knowledge. It is not a speculative thing, for faith believes facts of which it is sure. It is not unpractically, an unpractical, dreamy thing, for faith trusts and stakes its destiny upon the truth of revelation. Faith starts with knowledge, moves to conviction, and then ends with commitment. These three elements is what I want to talk about. If you want to come back and know that you have an unshakable faith, a true faith, you have to have these three elements part of your decision. That means you have to have the knowledge, you have to have the conviction, and the commitment. That's what we're going to break down today, me and you today. We're going to just simplify it and go through it. The first one is knowledge. Faith is based on knowledge, and knowledge is based on the truth. It speaks of intellectual understanding of a truth. You must, you must know something in order to be saved. There's something that you have to know in order to understand that your faith is unshakable, to understand that it's based on something that you're firmly persuaded. The gospel is about information that we need to know. You aren't saved by information alone, but you can't be, sa- and you, but you can't be saved without it. You know, the scripture says in Romans that how, how are they going to hear unless they send someone? How are you going to hear unless you actually click a button and go online to find a message on faith? You won't hear what you're looking for unless you get some information. Truth must be proclaimed before saving faith can be exercised. Now, the right believing of right knowledge is necessary for salvation. Now, a lot of us believe on a whole lot of things, but it's not on the right knowledge. And that is the key that we need to navigate through today. Let me give you an example. Suppose this building was burning, and and I couldn't find my way out of this building. There was a lot of smoke, a lot of haze. I couldn't see two feet, and I started crying out, where's the exit? And through the haze, I heard someone say, go to your left, down the stairs, through the window, and you will find safety. Now, that's information given, but if I don't follow through on that information, that information gives me nothing. That means that if if, I, if, we, if we know, I'm, I've just lost my place here. So if I do this, I'm not saved because of the information that was given to me to find the exit. I, no, I have to still make that journey myself. That means that I have to get there, do the steps, take the information, and go out the window. If I don't, it's just information, and I'll burn. We must be perfectly clear on this point. We are called to believe in something, not just anything. True saving faith rests first and foremost on Jesus Christ. This is paramount. We must know who he is, why he came, why he died, why he rose from the dead. Our faith resides in the knowledge of the gospel message. 
Why do we need the gospel? Because it is the center of why, we, why today I'm here standing before you. We, have, we all have sinned. We all have something that we have done wrong. None of us, none of us have not done anything wrong. And because God is perfect, we can't enter into his presence with our imperfection. And see, that's the bad news. No matter what I do, no matter how many good things I do, it's still the requirement of righteousness is too big. God is a righteous God. And so the bad news is I can't enter in in my own strength. But through Jesus, he accredits me his righteousness. That means he becomes my sin bearer. That means I can enter in forgiven. Not only that, I'm given forgiveness and the the gift of salvation, which is eternal life. Many other things. I become adopted as a child of God. I have privileges. I have blessings. The whole gospel message It's all about the good news. It's hope laced with love and compassion and freedom. We need to know this in order to come to that place of conviction. We cannot earn salvation, like I said. We need to believe it. Romans 10.10 says this, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so we need to know the information to believe, because when we believe, we know all of that. That's what faith is all about. We hope based on facts that are already done. With Jesus on the cross, rising again, he's already done the work to fulfill all that the Father was asking. And so for us, that's good news. All we have to do is believe and confess. This wonderful news is that God accredits his perfection, his son's perfection on me. So even though I have a bad day, the father sees me through his son's perfection. I don't know about you, but us being closed in, I think we're getting to see our real colors. Some of us are agitated or restless. We are impatient, angry. We are, you know, just, we're just going through a whole lot of things. But I do know I'm not afraid to go to the father. My faith is unshakable knowing that my assurance comes that Jesus has already done the work. And all I have to do is believe. And so knowledge is very important. So here, faith rests on facts, not on thin air. John 14, 6 says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Faith in the wrong thing, however sincere, will not save anyone. You can be sincere in what you believe is truth, your truth, what's happened, what you believe. But if it's not based on the gospel message centered on Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you, your faith will not deliver you through this crisis because it's based on something that's movable. But when you put it in God, it's unmovable. When you put it in the work of Christ, it's unmovable. Knowledge is essential but it alone can never save you. It's the same thing with the fire example. I could get the information of going downstairs, but if I don't move on that information, then I will burn. And so saving faith begins with knowledge, but it never ends there. Now it brings us to the second element, conviction. Conviction means to know something, then to be persuaded that it's true. To know something and that you're persuaded that is true. The most common word for belief 
means to have confidence in, to regard as completely reliable. What you are basing your truth on, is it completely reliable? Is it, can you embrace it? Can you accept it? Can you receive it? Can you welcome it into your life? That is what conviction is, is that we believing is that the Hebrew word means amen. It says here in English, it says amen. It literally means yes, it is true. So every time you hear the word amen, what it's saying is that yes, that, that, that verse is true. That character trait is true. That is truth. Amen means that. Saving faith uh, is saying amen to the facts of the gospel. Conviction is essential because you must be personally convinced of the truth, but that alone cannot save you. There is one final element in true saving faith, and that brings us to the point of commitment. Commitment speaks to the active part of our faith. It trusts, it relies fully upon it, And as I said, it will embrace it and accept it for what it is. True faith always ends in personal personal commitment. So I've had people say, yes, I believe in God. I have people say, yes, I'm strongly persuaded that God is going to be there. But when God comes to you and asks you to stop something or to change the way you're going, uh, approaching something, there is no commitment, no sense of desire to obey God's ways. You need to understand that maybe you've set yourself up with your own truth that is so far away from the gospel that when you really need that confident assurance, that persuasion, when you're going through what you're going through right now, you won't be able to tap into it. It could be that you need to make a commitment today. Now, I want to tell you a story uh, in the 19th 19th century. The greatest tight walker of the world was named Charles Blondin. On June 30th, 1859, he became the first man in history to walk on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. Now, I don't know if you can see that. There's a picture of him here. It's black and white, and it's going to come up whenever it comes up. But so over 25,000 people gathered to watch him walk, 1,100 feet suspended on a a tiny rope, 100 feet above the raging waters of Niagara Falls. He, He worked without a net or any safety gear of any kind. It was the greatest feat of all in those days. The slightest slip would prove fatal. When he safely reached the other side, the Canadian side, the crowd burst out in a mighty roar. In the days that followed, he would walk across the falls many times. But in one particular time, he decided to push a wheelbarrow with cement, 350 pounds in it. On that occasion, he asked the cheering spectators if they, would, if they could be pushed, if they would believe that he could push a man across the line. And again, another roar came up, and they were all approval of, approving of what he wanted to do. And as he was spying the crowd, he saw one that was very rambunctious, and he said to this man, Sir, do you think I could safely carry you across this line? He says, Yes, of course I know you can do it. Blondin started smiling because he looked to him again and he said, then hop on, I'll bring you over. And the man refused. Well, I don't know if I'd get on that wheelbarrow neither, but 
It's, you see, the whole point of this story is that it's one thing to believe a man walks across by himself, but it's something else to get into the well, wheelbarrow yourself. Faith is a total reliance upon another person to do that which you could never do for yourself. I cannot walk myself out of this crisis. I need someone bigger than myself. And when I put and cast my cares and my trust upon the only one true God, because he's the only way that I could go to him, he's the only thing that I need today in this crisis, then I find myself actually moving forward, navigating through the anxiety, the fear, and so on and so forth, because truth becomes real one more time. First, the knowledge of it, the conviction of it, which is I'm firmly persuaded and I do the amen to it, and the commitment. That means I have to follow through. If God says it, therefore it is true. So there has to be a commitment. Salvation is more than believing the facts. It's about Jesus asking you to let him reign, asking you to let him take control. Let me tell you, we think we have control. We don't. We don't. 1 John 5.13 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Remember that those things that are hoped for in Hebrews 11? Well, I know if I should, if I should fall ill today, I know where I'm going. There is an, I'm firmly persuaded. Not only do I have the information, I am persuaded whatever I've committed to him, he will keep. He will keep. He will keep me. He will keep my family. Saving faith understands the gospel, believes the gospel, then commits to the gospel as the only hope of salvation. Saving faith reaches out and trusts Christ as Lord and Savior. So the question is, how simple is it to come to to Christ? See, coming to Christ is not difficult. We have a lot of information that we have been given, a lot of things that we have read on. What I think is harder is the commitment part. The hardest part is reaching out the hand of faith. If you want to touch Jesus, you have to actually reach out. Many of us, we speak of it, but we never reach out. Many of us say things, but we don't believe or we firmly persuade it. I know this to be true because when you walk and look at your life and examine what you've done today or yesterday, you realize that God was not even a thought for you. In your own strength, you have faith in your own strength and in your own belief and resources to get you through this. There will be an end to this. And that's why if you want unshakable faith, you have to turn your gaze to the one who is giving you a way out, and that's Jesus. There is a story in Luke 8, and I want to finish with this today, of a woman who just simply reached out. One day, a woman with a serious bleeding problem came to Jesus as he passed along a narrow, crowded, crowded street. She reached out and touched the hem or the corner of his cloak and was instantly healed. After 12 years of misery, just one touch, one touch, and her disease was gone forever. This story is helpful because I believe the woman never really, really understood who Jesus was a whole lot. She had a little bit feeble faith. But what happened here is that we can actually use that story to help us to reach out today. 
The story is helpful because the woman never said anything to Jesus. She simply found him in a crowd, listen to this, touched his cloak, and was wonderfully healed. And then she turned to go. She figured she'd just go and do this. And then she turned to go. And this is where Jesus speaks up at this particular moment in Luke 8, 48. And he says, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In this poor woman, we see an amazing power, a very weak faith. She knew who Jesus was. That's knowledge. She believed that he could help her. That's conviction. And she reached out and touched him in the crowd. That's commitment. If you knew the whole story, you would know that commitment, what it cost her to do. She didn't have a huge amount of faith that day, but she did exactly that. She knew, she was convinced, and she was committed to, be, to touch Jesus. She had tiny, a tiny grain of faith, and through it, God moved the mountains to save her and to heal her. So the question you need to ask yourself is, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? Are you willing to stake your life on it? If you are ready to say yes, then you can be a believer as I am a believer. You can be assured of an unshakable faith because God will give you, as I said two weeks ago, a measure of faith. And if you grow in that measure of faith, you will see yourself unmovable in the days to come. In the last book of the Bible, we find the image of Christ standing at the door and knocking. The picture comes from Revelations 3.20, where Christ is offering fellowship to those who will let him in again. This is what you see. It is a wonderful picture of how Christ comes to each of us. For us who have been in the Lord, we've already answered that knock, but I believe he's continuing knocking. But because of our hardness of heart, we're not committed to say yes to him anymore. Something has happened. You've become dead inside. You're indifferent to the things of God. And even though you hear it, you are not moved to truth anymore. You don't have a firm persuasion that what he says in his word will keep you. When he says, I will provide for you, I will put you on high and keep you, it is not something that moves you to believe. And so now you need to find yourself committed to the knock. God is knocking. If you're here today amongst my viewers online, I'm here to tell you, you need to reach out and touch Jesus. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And so you need to know that the door, he's at the door, but you need to let him in. So here, Christ is knocking and you must not delay. Go to the door and let him in. You see, you have the knowledge now that he's the way out and he's the way that could give you the message is what can give you the knowledge. So when you have the knowledge, it'll bring you to conviction and a decision, which is a commitment. It is true faith. So that's where we saw here. I hear the knock. That's the knowledge. I go to the door. That's the conviction. And then I open the door. That's the commitment. You see, beloved, unless all of these happen, then, and Christ doesn't come and make his home in our hearts, then our faith will be movable. Our faith won't stop the fear, won't stop the anxiety or the unknown not to happen. You will understand that God has fundamentally a purpose and a plan in this crisis, a spiritual purpose for you. And so if he is knocking at your door, that means he's giving you the knowledge that he's pursuing you. 
And if he's asking you, he's asking you to open that door. That's a conviction that if you walk through that door, he will be there for you. And then he's asking you to open it. So that means it's your commitment. You have to go and open that door. It's your commitment. There is a chorus that I heard as, a, as I was young in the Lord, and it has something to do with Revelations 20, and it goes like this. One door, only one, and yet its sides are two, inside and outside. On which side are you? This is a crucial question for all of us to consider today. On which side of your heart's door is Jesus Christ? Is he on the inside or the outside? Is he still knocking and waiting for you to open that door? For us as believers, he wants you to come in and sup with him. He wants you to come in and have fellowship. If there are things in your life that has hindered your ability to grow in your faith, today he has knocked at your door. For those who don't know Jesus, I told you all you need to do is believe and confess. Now, we understand that the commitment part takes a place of repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. You probably thought that every way is a possible way to God. Today, I just proved to you there's only one way, and it's through Jesus. You want to get to the Father and have a relationship, it's through Jesus Christ. So we need to be convinced about how much God loves us today. It's easier to make a commitment when we see the depths of his love and how he sent his son for you and I so that we can have a personal relationship with him. God loves, God's love is the only love that never falters, nor does it fail. It won't falter for you, and it won't fail for you in the days to come. So take comfort in your faith and know that God truly loves you now and forever. See, there's a reason why I have an unshakable faith is not only do I have the knowledge, but I am convinced it's the truth, and I'm committed to walk it out every day. Every day is a new day for me. And that is where I want to end it for you. It is a big amen. What I preached this morning was an amen because it was truth. If you are looking for an unshakable faith, you can only find it in Jesus. And he's knocking. He's asking you to open the door and to go through it. And so as we listen to the music, the song that I've chosen for you today, I'm going to ask you to take this time and pray with me. Pray with me. Know that God, he knows what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're feeling, what you've done, how you've walked this out. He knows the mistakes, the failures. But you see, God sees you through Jesus' perfection. But you need to come to him in order for you to have that assurance that he sees you through his perfection. So let me pray for you. And I want to pray for the church body today all over the world that you would not delay in hearing his voice. If he's getting your attention, please obey and listen and follow through. He's going to be there for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are great and you are awesome. I praise your name. God, I pray for all those that do not know you. 
Lord, according to Romans, all we have to do is believe in our hearts and we are justified and confess with our lips and we are saved. God, I ask, Lord, that you would forgive them. Lord, that you would bring them to that place of knowledge and understanding. That, Lord, that hope would reside in their hearts and joy would come back. And, Lord, that, that you would push back the fear in their hearts of what they're going through. I pray, God, that they would come to that place of salvation, to that gospel message that beckons them to come to the Father. God, that they are no longer alone, that you will walk with them through the crisis. Lord, you do not promise that we will not suffer, but you do say that we will, be, we will never be alone in our suffering. So I'm asking, Lord, for a mighty move of your spirit. I'm also praying for all of those that already know you, who have heard the knock in different areas of their lives, but they have refused to obey. God, I'm asking today they will not delay one more day. God, that they will walk through that door and be committed to what you've asked because we are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit and the power within us to do this. And you're calling us to do this. God, I thank you. I praise your name. I know, God, you have something for us. And Lord, I ask, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you will strengthen your body one more time and that you would raise them up for such a time as this, that they could be the salt and the light of the world. I want to thank you for joining me today. I want to thank you for listening. Remember, knowledge is, is not enough. Conviction is not enough. You have to make a commitment, a decision. May God bless you. May I see you next week because I'm going to be talking about why, do we, why, do, why are we shipwrecked in our faith. So come and join us next week. May God bless you and keep you in this week, the week coming. Thank you for joining us.